Welcome to the Gospel According to with Ryan and Mike, a conversation designed to explore what makes the gospel good news in various books and topics of the Bible. So, Mike, in this conversation, we would like to consider the problem that Isaiah is seeking to address, Um, perhaps to use a bit more of a story term, the conflict of the book of Isaiah. Mm -hmm. Um, Isaiah is certainly a beautiful prophet who is just filled with some of the most moving poetry that humanity has ever heard. But Isaiah is also a historical figure who is facing historical and spiritual realities. Yeah. In our last conversation, uh, we pretty much just read through the book of Isaiah together mm-hmm. and yeah. listened to this introductory uh, oracle from the prophet. Now, you're the one who's convinced me of this, and I'd like for you to convince everybody else of this. Okay. That chapter one is really a microcosm of the book mm, that yeah. tells us of both the conflict and also the resolution in Isaiah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Take us through that. All right. Fun, fun. So it opens up after the the sort of opening line that that sets up the book, the vision of Isaiah, which he saw and lists the kings and the reigns and all that stuff. Um, this this call for heaven and earth to hear, um, and he describes the problem in sort of a growing way. The initial thing he says is his people don't know him. Right, uh, uh, basic dumb animals know where they get fed, know their master, but God's own people don't know him. Even though they were to be his children, he was to be their father. They don't know him. And so that is a a, a mark of just tragedy, gut-wrenching tragedy and sorrow right out of the gate. Um, But then he goes on to describe the people through, through this language of sin about every word you can conceive of to describe evil and sin he uses to describe them to the point where he just dis- where where you know iniquity and evildoers they act corruptly they've abandoned the lord all these these sorts of things um and then he describes the problem not just as things they do but a, a sickness that that has permeated their whole being from the the top of the head to the sole of the feet and there's there's no healing no health in it um then he describes the problem from the perspective of just the desolation in the land that's that's connected to all this this corruption and and not knowing the Lord, um, but then compares them to Sodom and Gomorrah, um, which again takes us back to Genesis and one of the archetypal stories of human corruption and God's judgment, and addresses the people of Judah as Sodom and Gomorrah, and and he walks through in verses ten through fifteen. Um, the fact that's surprising is that they're still engaged in all these acts of worship, these, these rituals of, of sacrifice and Sabbath and new moons, and they're praying, right? So they're, they're incredibly devout and um, religious in the sense of these rituals and acts of worship, but he, he starts to ex- say, okay, what's really going on? at the end of verse 15, when he says, okay, they lift up these hands in prayer, but they're covered in blood. Right. And, and, and what, what we understand then is, okay, this picture of a people that doesn't know God, this people of a picture that are these, these people who are so corrupt and, and, and so wicked, so sick with this wickedness. Um, the, the problem is they don't do justice. They, 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 
um, they're they're full of violence, full of murder, full of oppression for the the and exploitation for the weakest among them, the most vulnerable among them. And so that the the repentance means not offer more sacrifices, not say more prayers, not crank up the volume on their worship, but to do what's right in terms of the way they treat other people. Uh, he'll he'll say, cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice reprove the ruthless, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. And so he's going to, as the, as the chapter then moves on, we, we see, again, you use the word microcosm, which I think is really good because you get the very first judgment vision in, in the book and, and notice in it, this, this sort of indictment, picture of judgment, and then the restoration that is coming through this judgment. And so he, he, he describes in verse 21, um, here was a city that was supposed to be full of justice and righteousness. Again, going all the way back to God calling Israel, they were to be that royal priesthood among all the nations of the earth. They were to, to lead the way in the world in terms of how to treat other people, how to love their neighbor as their self, um, all, all grounded in this true worship of, the, of Yahweh. Um, so, so here was the city that was supposed to be all about justice and righteousness. And now he says, murderers and violent people live there. The widow's plea does not come before them. They don't defend the orphan. And so what God anticipates is bringing this purifying fire through that would cleanse the dross, cleanse the violence, cleanse the injustice. And then on the other side of that fiery judgment is not Jerusalem in a rubble heap, an ash heap, a, a smoldering heap of ruins, but a renewed, restored city now characterized by justice and righteousness. And so that's sort of a nutshell of Isaiah 1. No, oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I have some questions to follow up with. Yeah. Um, so you're the one who first taught me about the Hendiatus of justice and righteousness. Mm, yeah. Um, can, can you explain that to us? Because those at Manslick Road will recognize the importance of righteousness. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, it, it's basically a, a, a phrase, you you know, a, nice with the power word hendiatus. Um, but the, the, the idea is here's this sort of couplet, couplet of terms, justice, mishpat, uh, righteousness, tzedakah. And, and gets, what's that? Yeah, those are the Hebrews terms. The Hebrew terms, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mishpat and Sedekah translated justice and righteousness, and it and it becomes sort of a its own idea of of basically how you treat people, and particularly um, how you treat the most vulnerable among you, right? Um, and in um, in the Torah, in the prophets, that's often the alien or maybe sojourner, foreigner, the alien, the orphan, the widow the poor, right? Um, society's most vulnerable, those that are that are vulnerable to exploitation, to being taken advantage of, to being abused, um, to being walked all over. And, and you know, man, this just runs, really, it, it can go all the way back to Genesis 1 when we, when we have those eyes to see and ears to hear it. But um, the idea that God cares about the way his people treat other people, um, and so that was that was what he had called Israel to be, to lead the way in the world in in this regard. And yet we see over and over and over again them turning away from God into idolatry, and with that 
um, so often is then this turn uh, into lots of injustice and corruption and violence and things like that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I think if we were to try to come up with the problem of the Old Testament, the conflict, it is idolatry and injustice. Yes. Idolatry yeah. and injustice. And you and I have talked about this, and Daniel Webb, a friend here, pointed this out to me a few years ago, that if the two greatest commands are love God and love your neighbor, yeah. it should come as no surprise that yeah. the two greatest injustices of the Bible are idolatry which breaks the first greatest command yeah. and injustice, which great, which breaks the second greatest command. And, and notice even how that, how injustice breaks the first as well, right? Because what they're doing here is they're still quote worshiping. They're still offering the sacrifices. They're still keeping all these, these ceremonies and feast days and offering prayers and doing all these things that we would say, Oh, look, that's love God stuff. But it's not love God's stuff when they're not loving God's, you know, the, the people that God created in his image, right? So so it, that injustice also erodes at that first command as well. Absolutely, 100%. You know, we're just coming off a Matthew study, and the Sermon on the Mount was just transformative for me mm. in thinking about righteousness. And I think the prophet Isaiah, in his beautiful images of righteousness, has yeah. really been of help to me here. Um, among New Testament scholars, there's been a lot of discussion the last 40, 50 years about what exactly Paul means by righteousness and what mm. does the Greek word diakosune mean, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. When I was really trying to wade into this, I was so confused. The beauty of Isaiah 59 helped me yeah. to see I, Isaiah sees righteousness as a power. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. And even in Isaiah 1, um, righteousness is not merely something that we are to do. Righteousness is something that is going to be made. Mm, yeah, exactly. And in and, and, and here, Isaiah sees a society that is broken by their injustice. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that is going to bring them right is going to be the power of God in a people that yes. seek God and his righteousness. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Man, so many just things you almost just launched me on a whole series on Matthew. Just you know, interrupt this season of Isaiah to to talk about Matthew, but yeah, no, I, I mean, yeah, I'll just yeah, I mean, Isaiah is Matthew's favorite prophet, yeah, yeah, <laughs> not, totally. no surprise, yeah, but yes, that that picture of you know, what what does God want for his people? He wants us to be a people who reflect his character in the way we treat others, just as he's treated us, you know, and, and that's spelled out here in Isaiah one in really jarring ways. Right. Um, You know, even, even the reference to Sodom and Gomorrah, right. Cues Genesis 19, which cues Genesis 18. Right. And, and what did God call Abram to be, you know, how was he going to bring blessing to the nations? He would command his children to do justice and righteousness, right? Well said. Um, so anyway, I'll, I'll I, I could keep going, and and we'll have more opportunity. But I'll just stop. For sure, that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's, it's wetting our appetite for more. Um, yeah. What, 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 I wanted to also look back a bit earlier and have you comment on verse seven and eight. Let me mm. let me read these verses again. Yeah. Your land is desolate. Your cities are burned to the ground. Foreigners devour your land in your presence. Mm-hmm. It's as desolate as if overwhelmed by floods. The daughter of Zion is left like a shack in a vineyard, like a shed in a cucumber field, 
like a city under siege. What in the world does it mean that the daughter of Zion is like a shed in a cucumber field? I was afraid that was going to be your question. You know, it's, 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 it's funny. Like I, I use this chapter a lot when I'm teaching people to how to read the Bible and, and just cause it's, you know, it's an unfamiliar chapter to most. So it's a great, like kind of clean slate to come into. And that's always the passage that I use to illustrate, like, even if you don't understand the image context, you get the idea through context, you get the idea. Um, and it's been so long since I've read any sort of reference to that, that I just, uh, I don't, I don't remember the the reference, but the the basic point in context though, is um, look at the desolation, look at the, the corruption, look at the realities around them because of the fact that they don't know God. They're full of what later is revealed to be all this injustice and idolatry. Um, and they would be going the way of Sodom and Gomorrah, if not for um, God leaving a remnant. <laughs> no, it's, it, it kind of sounds like a Southernism. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're as unrighteous as a shed in a cucumber. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're the one from Kentucky, so I'll let you make that joke. And I'll, I'll I'm going to try to get that one to catch on. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but, but I mean, <laughs> Isaiah is talking would, about it. Very, would it be a cucumber? Would you say, or you say a cotton patch, a shed in a cotton patch with that? Either one. Okay. I'm, not, I'm not going to get technical. Okay. Um, but, you know, the, the problem that Isaiah is looking at in chapter one, verse seven, I want to yeah. note foreigners devour your land in your presence. Yeah. Yeah. It's as desolate as if overwhelmed by floods. Yeah. So not only do we have references to Sodom and Gomorrah a bit later, mm-hmm. I think we're also not having references to the floods. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. Obviously, Q, Noah, and Moses. Yeah, <laughs> um, waters that are overwhelming, which Isaiah is going to come back to later in his book. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in, the, in the prophecies of Isaiah, you, you have Israel turning to idolatry. Yes. And so God is going to Romans 1, give them up. Yes, exactly. To their foreign ways. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why God is saying in 125, I will turn my hand against you. Mm-hmm. I will cleanse your impurities with lie and remove all your alloy base metal. I will restore your judges at first and your advisors as at the beginning. Yeah. What God is saying is if if you want to serve foreign gods, then I'll give you over to these foreign hands. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're going to have as a major problem in Isaiah. Yes. Is the problem of captivity. And mm-hmm. I love my, you know, more American poetic of rhyming. Um, I, I see the problem as Isaiah twofold. It's captivity and depravity. Mm-hmm. Um, you have Israel about to be taken captive by a foreign hand yeah. because of their depravity, twofold right. idolatry and injustice, exactly, both yeah. of which are, are interplayed there. Because if you truly serve the creator of heaven and earth, mm-hmm. you are going to be a person of justice. Yeah. If you serve foreign idols, you're inherently going to be someone of injustice. And exactly. Isaiah holds these two right together. Yeah. And, and and to see how intertwined all those things are, right? Because if, if it's about idolatry and and trusting in serving these other powers, right? You know, may, it may be as simple as bowing down to a block of wood, the gods of these other nations, or or trusting in chariots, as he'll say, right? Those become the things that enslave you and overpower you and that you need rescued from. Absolutely. So before we finish, let's note, Isaiah 
is not going to end any of his prophecies with bad news. Yeah. Um, Isaiah is going to end with good news because what is the good news? Your God reigns, right? Which comes from Isaiah. And and, and if you notice Isaiah 127, Zion will be redeemed by justice and those in her who repent by righteousness. Yeah, Isaiah is a witness, a witness to God, to the spirit, to the son and to the people. And he's calling us to repent. Yeah. He's calling us in his beautiful, emotive images Mm -hmm. to repent. Yeah. And then the justice and righteousness of God will redeem us. And amidst the darkness and horrors that Isaiah is going to experience and see, that is going to be that hopeful sea that should press the people of God forward. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Closing thoughts, Mike, about the problem or overall microcosm of Isaiah? Um, uh, (laughs) yes, but I, um, that's a, that's a horrible ending. I'm sorry. Uh, well, then I have a better one. Yeah, please do. Please oh, yes. bail me out because there's there's lots of just there's, there's so much good stuff. But let, yeah, I'll I'll stop. Yeah, go yeah, ahead. Wisdom for the day. What's that? Don't be as unjust as a shed in a cucumber field. Yeah. Thank you. That's 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 so much good. I think I, I think I'm going to start ending sermons that way instead of <laughs> instead of while together we stand and sing. It'll be and remember y'all. Don't be as unjust. Or don't, whatever it is, it's a shit. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Gospel According to Podcast. If you have any questions about what you heard today, please send us a voice message. We would really love to hear from you. Make sure you follow us on social media, subscribe, and click the bell to get notified when we drop a new episode. Until next time, and for all time, your God reigns. Mm-hmm.